Well, we're talking about money and you came back. Oh my goodness, what are you like? <laughs> this is um, part two about finances. I, I just feel right at the top. This is not particularly what we prepared. Uh, and what we're going to do this morning is talk about Jesus and money. But I feel this morning, just even as we speak, it's almost like the Father wants to meet with each one of us. And he just wants you to know that you're held that he is strong, that he loves you and cares about your life and my life, and that he's here, and you and I are his children, saved because of what Jesus did. And I just feel like Father just wants to pour forth upon us his love, even as we look at his glorious son this morning. Yeah. So we just... We just say, Father, thank you that you're just the most wonderful, truest, glorious expression of what it means to be a father, unlike any we've known. Those of us with the best dads and those of us with the worst, we thank you that you are like no other, but you come to reveal your love and your glory and your heart. And I pray that you would do that as we speak. And what is, what is of us, let it be forgotten instantly. But what is of you and your word, your living word, your son, may it grow in our hearts and become fruitful to the glory of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen. So a week ago, we dethroned money. Money is such a powerful force in our lives, and in our culture. And we just wanted to put it in its rightful place. And today we want to look at what Jesus teaches and models about money. And we're not going to, because we haven't got the time, forensically go through scripture by scripture all that Jesus teaches, but give you in summary form what we believe Jesus brings out throughout the Gospels in the area of money, possessions and provision. This series is not your get rich quick course. You know, the whole world wants formulas and you know, quick fixes to our problems. Um, what we're not doing is we haven't got some subtle manipulative thing that we want to bring out at the end of the series and, you know, uh, get you all to comply with what we're saying, none of that stuff. But I think one takeaway from me for lockdown that I'm coming out with is a, a clear-minded but steely determination that the vision God has called us to, 2033, whether it's in 2029 or 2049 or 2021, of God's kingdom coming in power, I am committed to, not through my own efforts, but through my life laid down to see materialize in our lives, in our church, and in these communities for the glory of Jesus. No person's glory, the glory of Jesus. And in order to step into that, we need his perspective on money and finances, and we need to catch his approach to what he's doing in this whole area of provision and the flow of what he's calling us to. So that's what we're going after in this series. And today, uh, if you've got a Bible with you, our core passage uh, that we're going to read now and use as our springboard this morning is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, picking up at verse 25. From about verse 19, Jesus goes into a discussion on money and wealth and um, treasure and all of this. And we're, we're going to pick it up at verse 25 and read through to verse 
33. So let's pick that up now. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Amen. <laughs> There's a sermon there, isn't it? <laughs> That's not an invitation. It's not a suggestion. It seems to be in the command form. <laughs> Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Boom, mic drop. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26, we've got no excuse. We live in the most glorious expression of God's glory in creation. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? Remember, Jesus didn't say, worrying will reduce your hairline and cause you wrinkles and not add you any more hours to your life. And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink, what will we wear, for it is the Gentiles. And in fact, in Luke's gospel, he says, the pagans, those who aren't the people of God, those who are outside of knowing God, who strive for all these things. Indeed, your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things be given to you as well. This is the precious word of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. I just want to thank John for being incredibly brave. Has John gone or is he still there? Is he gone? Um, I felt like what he was doing at the very start was prophetic. I felt like he was heralding the king. And I could see in my mind's eyes just angels just blowing the trumpet with him going, yes, King Jesus, we enthrone you. And I feel like this series is about that. It's about enthroning Jesus in every single area of our lives. And that, that is just our heart's desire. And I know it's your guys' heart's desire as well, just to put him and keep him first and foremost in our life. But I want to reiterate again that we're not saying through this series that money is bad. And in fact, I think God cares less about how much we have, but he cares more about what we do with it. He cares about the heart. He cares our, about our intentions and our motives, and he can see into our heart. So this morning, we're going to talk about two different things, because I think throughout the Gospels, throughout Jesus' teaching, you can kind of whittle it down to two things. The first is love Jesus first, above everything, love Jesus. 
And the second one is that he always provides for our material needs. So we're going to look at the first one. It's interesting, that song, isn't it? If you fix your eyes on Jesus, then the things of this world fade away. And that is the truth. If we look at the beauty of Jesus, if we look at who he is, what he's done, his majesty, his glory, then actually everything is eclipsed by that. And the hard thing is to stay in that place where he's eclipsing everything because it's so easy to, you know, just wander our eyes to the left or the right. But he wants us to be eclipsed by him. He wants us to love him first, that he is our greatest desire. He's our hope. He's our joy. He wants to be everything. That's why we were created, to have that relationship with him, to have him at the center of our lives, to be loved by him, to love him back, to be known by him, and to know him. And I think if you look at Jesus' teaching, he's saying, come, follow me, come, do you love me? Follow me, follow me. And then what he teaches through Uh, the parable of the rich fool through where it says, let the dead bury the dead. When it says, I want to go back and say goodbye to my family. When he says, follow me. And the man says, oh, I just need to go and say goodbye to my family. Or another guy, when he says, come and follow me, he says, I'm just going to go back to work first. And actually, Jesus is like, "Uh uh-uh, come on, it's me first. And I think we just want to encourage you, want to encourage us That he comes first above everything. Above family, above your spouse, above your job, above all material possessions, above everything in this life. He wants to be first in our life. And look at the, the story of the pearl of great price, where the man sells everything for the beauty of the pearl. And I think in these days, we just want to be those people whose life looks different, who we go, wow, that pearl of great price, Jesus, do you know what? I'll get rid of everything, everything else. Get in line because I'm going after the pearl of great price in my life. And that's how we look different to the world. I think, you know, who here wants to seek first the kingdom? know all of you do because you're amazing and it's just such a joy and a privilege um, to serve with you and to be amongst you Um, but I think we're just really challenging ourselves because I think we all want to live that and say that and mean it and it not just to be a church thing but it to be an everyday thing and a really when no one's watching thing but I think we just wanted to ask the question if you and I like the rich young ruler And said, Lord, is there anything else you want me to do to really seek first your kingdom? And Jesus says to us, I want you to sell everything and give it to the poor. We don't all have to do that. We know that. But we do have to be ready to do that. And not be clinging or entrenched around stuff as opposed to Jesus. You know, Jesus says this really sobering thing, um, doesn't he? He says, it's hard 
for a what kind of person? It's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom than for a camel to enter the eye of a needle. Now, however you get back into the original context of that phrase, he's basically saying it's pretty hard if you're rich to enter the kingdom. Now, we, as we said last week, judgment-free, shame-free church. You and I are the rich in this, on this planet, aren't we? So Jesus is saying it's really hard for us to enter the kingdom. Why is that? Because the nature of our hearts is we go, we love stuff, don't we? If we're not intentional about dismantling that love of stuff and really enthroning Jesus as first and foremost in our lives. And Jesus is saying, you know, if you have a lot, it's going to be really hard. And that's why he's teaching it's not impossible, but it's really hard because it demands and seduces our attention. And so this is what Jesus is saying. It's not about being anti-stuff per se, but recognizing that it presents real challenges. You know, this is why you can go to a majority world country and they're so generous, aren't they? And yet, you know, I don't know if the majority world would say that maybe about British people. I've never met more generous people than the English. You know, can you imagine? It's not quite our reputation rocking around planet Earth, is it? Wow. <laughs> so, I, you know, there's, there's something, um, and well, why don't you say your thing that you pulled out of a... Yeah, uh, yeah I was reading something the other day, and it, and it said, um, it was talking about riches are not bad, but it, it's hard to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus when you have so much, because other things can take priority. And the analogy was, we've got to walk this balance beam, you know, like a gymnast does. Because actually, when, he, when we have so much stuff with the blessing, we don't want to fall off into self-righteousness. And we don't want to fall off the other side into self-indulgence. So it's constantly, it's kind of walking a tightrope with Jesus. Eyes on you, eyes on you. You're my all. I don't need this. I don't need that. It's eyes on you. Uh, so we are really challenged by this as well. And, you know, we are on this journey with you. And we're on this journey because, you know, we want to look different to the world. We have such a greater hope, as we were talking last week. We want to live radically for Jesus. It's time, guys, to do that. And we are the same. We're constantly just saying, Lord, just take us deeper in you. And what do you want to show us? So we were talking the other day, and we were saying, you know, how, if Jesus was sitting in the room with us right now, would, would we be able to 100% say that he is our first thought in every single aspect of our life? So we're saying in the area of money, think about it like this. If you get given a check for five grand through your door, it's a, you know, a gift that someone drops off. If you're like me, I go, hey, right, okay, we've got 10% that we want to give to the Lord, maybe 12%, maybe 15 occasionally 20 And we'll kind of pray and go, Jesus, where do you want us to give that? And that kind of thing. And then you go, woohoo, I've got the rest. What should we spend it on? What fun should we have? You know, all that kind of thing. Whereas actually, what about if we flip it on its head? And we say, wow, we've got a check for five grand. Thank you, Father, that you can trust us with this money. What do you want to do with it? 
You know, all of it is his, not just 10 or 20 or occasionally 50%. What do you want to do, do with it? And it might be that he says, great, go on a holiday. But let's always be the first question in our heart. What do you want to do? Not what I want to do, and you can have this little bit over there. So do we want to keep on going bigger and bigger? Houses, cars, whatever. Getting more and more stuff. Or actually, do we want to go less and less and less and be able to give more and more away? And to be invested in the things of the kingdom. Where is our treasure? Is it in longing for security? Is it a big house? Is it holidays? Is it a comfortable lifestyle? Or is it living a life of joy? Being so free with everything he gives us. Loving our neighbors. Sharing our stuff. Seeking first the kingdom of God with our everything, can we do that? You know, the amazing thing about the simplicity but the power of Jesus is this is not rocket science. Jesus is like, if you seek me and put me as the highest priority in your lives, what does, what does our Heavenly Father do? Do you know? <laughs> According to Jesus, he provides for our needs. It's a simple equation. He provides for our needs. You know, and, and so often we're looking for formulas, aren't we? You know, we're looking for, well, if I give more, that means I'll receive more. Or if I do this, if I, if I have righteousness in my finances, then I'll be righteousness and blah, 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 blah. You know, but actually it's simple. When he is first then our needs are taken care of by Father. You know, we all know this, but God's name is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Or you can also translate it, the, the God who will see to it. I love that. If you look at the feeding of the 5,000, um, where the disciples are going crazy, going, oh, how are we going to feed everyone? Everyone's going to be starving, all that. And Jesus does it. He sees to it. And then there's even stuff left over. And you look at the, the passage that we've just read, and it says, don't worry about it. You know, he will see to it. He will provide for our needs. We don't need to worry. Wouldn't it be amazing if we can really take hold of that in our lives, that we don't need to worry because he will provide it's not just in the Gospels. You can read it throughout the whole Bible that God is a God who provides, that we can trust him. And it says in Timothy, put our hope not in riches, but in the God who richly provides for us. This is a true statement about God. He provides for our needs. So how does he provide you know, we as a church have got countless stories of miraculous provision. Um, you know, I bet ask anybody in this room afterwards and they can tell you stories about God miraculously providing. But the truth is also he provides through work, through our jobs, through the mundane, the everyday stuff. 
He provides through opportunities he gives us. And he also provides through one another. Maybe our expectation of God as providers is those miraculous things, but he also provides in the everyday. I just want to make a quick but related detour to essentially ask the question, what's the connection between uh, provision and material abundance? Because we would all say, we would all agree that John 10.10, Jesus come to give us life and life in abundance. And if you look at the Old Testament, it it seems to me that when the Old Testament people of God obeyed and walked in God's ways, then he blessed them with material abundance. They grew prosperous and were protected and provided in abundance and they enjoyed material wealth. And yet, we've really searched the scriptures and wrestled this back and forth. We cannot find that in the New Testament teaching of Jesus. I just want to sever this because sometimes um, people have connected healing and prosperity or health and wealth together. Now, I'm absolutely convinced that in every situation, it is God's desire to bring healing now. And that's because, as I was saying in uh, my message on communion at the end of August, communion and healing, if you look at Isaiah 53, which is a prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus, uh, it essentially says, the suffering servant will achieve forgiveness of sin and healing of disease in the act of his crushing by which we find peace. And Jesus, in Matthew 8, when he's healing the whole town after healing Peter's mother-in-law, Matthew comments on this, and he says, this is to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, uh, in, in Jesus. So I'm absolutely convinced that in every situation, we're to pray for healing for you. God wants to do it now. It may not always happen, per se, but that's because we're working out how to apprehend that and release it in the world now. But Jesus teaches just above this passage, doesn't he? Don't don't purchase treasures that will rust and decay, that moths will destroy. But instead, store up treasure in heaven where it never rusts and never fades and moths cannot destroy. You know, if you look at Jesus, he was perfectly at home amongst the rich Pharisees going to a banquet and perfectly at home being distracted by blind Bartimaeus who had nothing on the road. It's like in the New Testament, stuff comes and stuff goes. Paul says, I've learned what it is to be in need and to have plenty, but I've learned to be content in all situations. Because in the New Testament, when we're walking with God, you may have stuff, you may not have stuff, but we are invested in what is eternal that can never be destroyed. Does this make sense? And some of the disappointments in our lives come when we've got a smaller house than this person and they're really godly and if I keep walking in step with God, then surely I'll move into that level of abundance. And I just think, like we've just been saying, man, it's eyes fixed on Jesus. Seek first the kingdom. And all my needs will be provided for, not necessarily my 21st century Western materialistic desires. Does this make sense? And I'll tell you what, I think God wants us to be free of this. 
And sometimes they'll entrust us with a lot. And sometimes when you're entrusted with a lot, there's a big responsibility with that. And sometimes we may find ourselves with not very much. But he calls us simply to be channels of his heart, which is generosity and love. And to be clear, we're not preaching a poverty spirit. We're really, really not. But what we are preaching is just look at God's concept of what we need, which he promises he will provide for, and the concept of what we need, and whether sometimes they get a bit confused and they're not quite in alignment, and just checking ourselves, checking our hearts. I want my heart to line up with God. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And the context of that, if you read it, was that church in Corinth were providing for another church. So he's specifically talking about material need. And um, Paul quotes the psalmist directly after that, and it says, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. We just want to challenge us. You know, it is so right. God is a God of abundance. You know, you look at when the fishermen were in their boat and he said, cast your net on the other side. And it wasn't half full. It was teeming with fish. The, the kind of the boat was tipping up. You look at where he fed the 5,000 and there was baskets left over. You look at the wedding in Cana. He's abundant. But that abundant God does not translate to us that we're entitled to an abundant lifestyle. And that's the difference that we want to just make, that we trust our abundant God. We trust him to give us enough for our needs that we can give to others to provide for their needs. But that doesn't mean I'm entitled to whatever material wealth. You know, he blesses us. Of course he does. And we receive those blessings. But remember, it's about where our heart is. Yeah, we, 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 said, that, we said a week ago, um, you know, who here thinks if they had more, they'd be able to do more for the Lord? You know, and, and actually what that does is it stops our callings because it's actually just about being faithful with where we, where we are. You know, so I think part of this series is saying, right, here I am, it's October 2020, what is in my hand and how can I be a channel of kingdom blessing? Now, I might be able to give five pence away and that may be very, very costly or I may be able to give 50,000 pounds away and that may be very costly. It doesn't really matter. But what it is is that we're in the game of giving and sowing and pouring out Father's heart to those around us and sowing his generosity. In the New Testament, their goal was not abundance, but they knew their needs would be seen to by Father. And they became famous across the Roman world for caring for widows and orphans and the poor across cultural divides, which is highly unique in that setting. 
And why is that? Because they were living in a different kingdom. They are invested in something eternal. You know, it's almost like money and possessions are a dandelion head. The seeds are in the hand and they're just like, we've got it. And then it springs up everywhere because we're just channels. Freely able to give uh, from where it is. And, you know, just to illustrate this a little bit, about um, maybe about a year ago, Louise and I gave a really large sum of money away in secret um, because we felt God was calling us to. And just highlighting what goes on in our hearts. And being really honest, you know, I was thinking to myself, number one, it feels, feels great to give away. That's a privilege, isn't it? But I was thinking, awesome, we're going to give and it'll grow 30-fold maybe, 60-fold, 100-fold. Like we're going to give this, and then you know that's part of how we get more and step into more. And so we gave like, a really large sum of money, and we didn't see an increase financially. But what we saw was the presence of the kingdom increase abundantly, relationally, in joy in this situation, peace, we had the privilege of giving someone a big leg up and enabling them to move into a different place. And, and I think, you know, I was just really convicted just, you know, over this thinking, even in that, my selfishness is like, okay, I'm going to give a lot away and that's how I walk in blessing and I'm attracting more and all of that stuff. I don't know if that means anything to you. Rather than, wow, I, I just get to give because Father sees to my needs. So I think we're going to finish um, in a second. But I think, yeah, we just want to put Jesus first. Jesus first in every single aspect of our lives. That's one side of it. That's one side of the coin. But the flip is that we trust him for everything. And I think if we can do both of those things, then we'll live well. It's all right, guys. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty challenging stuff, I would say, and it feels like a left turn in our culture. But I think I absolutely know that as Christians, it, as we look forward into 2021, you know, uh, we need to be dancing to a different tune, singing to a different melody than the narrative in our culture and in our society. And that's what God is calling us to. All right? So... Um, if you're to collect children, I just want to pray a final prayer now. Lord, let what we've shared today bear fruit where it's from you. Let it, let it just flower and blossom and take root in our lives that we could just be such solid oaks of righteousness, a planting for the display of your kingdom in our communities, in the culture around us. And bless our lovely parents as they collect in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite Susie Rushforth. Uh, Susie and James are overseeing prayer ministry at the 11 o'clock. Susie's going to come and just share some words of knowledge. And then we're going to offer prayer as we um, just begin to finish, uh, move to the conclusion of this service. Hello, Susie. Hello, hello. Um, so good, isn't it? Um, God is so good. And there's been loads of words of knowledge. So I'm putting a few together. Um, because they all resonate. So there's a word of knowledge of somebody who um, has a sore neck 
and in their up and back as well, and it could be related to stress. So God's got breakthrough for you today. And uh, someone who's having an issue with headaches has been two words on this, and God wants to break the cycle that you live in is the specific word. So please come forward. Uh, peace. Um, and eyes, there's a few words of eyes, sore eyes, um, tear ducts that aren't working properly and eyes are, are dry. So God wants to deal with those. And finances, so just um, God sees your situation and there's no shame and the sense that somebody here feels a bit dirty about it, but God just wants to break that because that's a lie. So please come forward if any of these resonate or you've just got something that you need breakthrough for in your life and we'd love to minister not just healing anything so please come and we're just learning how to minister in the power of the spirit without touch you know which for us we're a touchy feely church you know so this is new territory for us but this incredible testimony someone was telling me at the end of last week where they were standing there and they felt like there were some hands holding their hand and just bringing strength and reassurance and then they opened their eyes and no one was touching them. And they realized that it was Father holding them and just bringing his love and his strength. And isn't that amazing? No one was near them, um, but just God coming and speaking and moving. So Susie, do you just want to invite um, the Lord and then I'll pray a final prayer of blessing. And Healing Centre team, if you're ministering this morning, why don't you come up now so you're ready and uh, ready to host anyone who needs prayer. Yeah, so Father, we thank you that you are the God of breakthrough, that um, you want freedom in our lives so we just live more and more in the freedom that your son died for, for us. And so Holy Spirit, we just invite your manifest presence to come so deeply in each of us now in greater measure and for us to partner with heaven. I thank you there's an open heaven here. We just pull down all that you have to bring breakthrough into people's lives this morning. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stand together, shall we? just brings such cleanness to us and we just want to say thank you thank you thank you yeah as we go from here may you just rest upon us enable us to be your hands and feet channels of blessing Monday to Saturday just be with us Lord empower us for the mission ahead and the blessing of God Almighty the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit. May he remain with us and those whom we love, pray for and minister to this week and forevermore. Amen. You beautiful people, party people, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen. God bless you all.